0: Welcome to the Cybersecurity Defenders podcast, episode number 75. On today's show, we're going to be taking a closer look at the most recent off the hack with the help of the very talented Eric Capilano. But first, a word from the sponsor of this show,
1: Lima Charlie. My name is Maxim Limit Brassard, and I'm the founder of Limit Charlie. I'm the company behind the SecOps Cloud Platform cybersecurity tools today need to evolve from the one-size-fits-all silos into a modern tool set to adapt to the specific needs that you have. The SecOps Cloud Platform works by providing you with full access to the underlying security tools and infrastructure. Everything's on demand with no minimums, no contracts. It's an approach that's really like AWS has done in IT. We offer a full featured free tiers, no credit cards, no contracts, nothing. Get on the platform today, deploy an EDR, start ingesting logs, build a product, start an MDR, an MSSP, whatever you can imagine. We're making security flexible so you can build what's possible. You can learn more or get started for free at limacharlie.io.
0: Welcome to a special episode of the Cybersecurity Defenders podcast. Today we're going to be taking a closer look at the Okta compromise that is currently dominating the cybersecurity news headlines. Joining me today to help unwind the intel on this incident is Eric Capuano. Eric is the founder of Recon InfoSec, a highly respected managed detection and response firm. He's also a SANS Differ instructor and one of the most recent additions to the team at Lima Charlie. Thanks for helping us out with this one today, Eric. How are you feeling? Hey, fantastic, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. The goal is simply to walk through the information that has become available and try to piece that together for folks that are maybe too busy to go and do the reading themselves. I have no doubt that more information will become available over the days and weeks to come, which will shed new light on what transpired, but for now, we're going to go and give you what we got. So, for those that might not be familiar, Okta Inc., formerly Sasuar Inc., is an American identity and access management company based in San Francisco. It provides cloud software that helps companies manage and secure user authentication into applications, and for developers to build identity controls into applications, website web services, and devices. It was founded in 2009 and had its initial public offering in 2017 being valued at over $6 billion, and that is with a B. If you pay attention to the cybersecurity news cycle at all, you would most certainly have heard Okta's name a few times over the past few years. Okta's support engineering system was breached back in January 2022, which seems to have been pretty minor in the scheme of things, then there was a phishing attack involving a spoof Cloudflare Okta login page that three employees fell for in August 2022, and most recently back in September, Scattered Spider, the Alfie or Black Cat affiliated ransomware group behind the infamous MGM cyber attack, gained initial access by socially engineering a third-party help desk to give up admin on the org's Okta instance. What are your thoughts on this, Eric? Did I miss any? And what do you think makes Octa such a popular target for threat actors?
2: That's a pretty colorful breach history here for for Octa, and you know, obviously the the kind of high high profile attack that we saw uh, involving Lapsus just uh, just over a year ago. You know, it's it's no surprise that an organization like Octa would be under such heavy fire by you know very sophisticated threat actors. So. I don't think that that's necessarily any fault of Octa uh, to to kind of be constantly under the gun here this way, because being that Okta primarily serves as an identity you know platform for many many large organizations with you know uh, you know which are themselves very valuable targets right. So it's the idea that if a threat actor could simply compromise an organization like Okta, they could then immediately compromise many other very valuable targets all in one swoop. So it's it's a very optimal attack path, right? Than trying to go after all those other uh, organizations separately. Why not just get into one, which then is the gateway to many others?
0: This is where we kind of talk about threat modeling and stuff. Being such a high-profile target that would give threat actors access to these other orgs, you would think Okta would have extraordinary security policies in place, but the fact that we keep seeing breaches kind of begs the question of of what's happening there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And You know, it's, it's expected that if you are providing a service or building a product that is going to be leveraged by very, you know, high value organizations with, you know, that are, that are you know, going to be the target of APT style attacks, then of course, you know, going into this, you are now the target of, of this same kind of threat actor. And, and in some ways you were the most valuable target now at this point. So when threat modeling something like this, an organization like Okta or, you know, your various different, you know, password managers, LastPass, 1Password, you know, these are the types of organizations that honestly have the biggest target on their back because of the data that they have on behalf of other organizations the sensitive data or access that they can provide to other organizations so sitting back and threat modeling that you know you you almost have to kind of compare your threat model to that of you know a, a government organization right you know you have to be thinking about this kind of thing the way that you know the military or Department of Justice you know have have to think about data security and and it, it can't be it can't be an afterthought, and it can't be something that's that's deprioritized. You know, it, it almost has to become as equally important as the product or platform or service that you're providing itself.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think the more we see how these kind of breaches impact stock performance, we're going to see these companies really up their game as far as security goes.
2: No doubt. Just checked here earlier today, and it looked like they lost a uh, two billion market cap. As of the announcement? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So as real impacts in the real world and dollars make the world go around, I'm sure we'll see some big improvements. Anyway, we did the who. Now let's talk about what happened in this most recent incident. On Friday, October 20th, Okta announced that it suffered an intrusion in its customer support system and the company confirmed that certain Okta customers were affected. Okta stated that it notified around 1% of its 18,400 customers that they were impacted. Since making that announcement, OnePassword, is an Okta customer, has come out and said that it notified the company on September 29th of suspicious activity on their Okta instance used to manage their employee-facing apps. They went on to state that they immediately terminated the activity, investigated and found no compromise of their user data or other sensitive systems, either employee or public-facing. So, I guess everybody who caught 1Password wrapped up in the headlines can take a collective sigh of relief. Did you manage to learn anything about the details of how One Password discovered the malicious actor, Eric? You know,
2: I did. Matter of fact, you know, One Password, I, I, I got to, I got to applaud the transparency that One Password provided into this process for them. However, I would say there were a few things a little surprising to me in One Password's disclosure. First of which being how they first became aware of the unauthorized activity. It was because the threat actor, one of the final steps that the threat actor took after gaining access to their Okta portal was generating a report, you know, a report of administrative users for that Octa tenant. And uh, thankfully, that activity triggered an email getting sent to one of the administrators. So that administrator immediately knew something was up because they, they did not request that report. So obviously, it's surprising that it suddenly, you know, was generated now that that's good I, I mean that's better than no no detection or no awareness coming of it but that's a little late in the game in some in some ways because what if what if the threat threat actor had not chosen to generate that report how much longer you know could the, you know how much additional dwell time would there have been of the threat actor having uh, this unfettered access to their 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 instance now let me also then say though to be fair You know, it also it also does seem like maybe maybe one password didn't have as strict MFA policies. And I'm only saying this because it's kind of what they said in their own uh, disclosure that, you know, in the after action, they went ahead, started clamping down on those MFA policies and enforcing uh, things like YubiKeys. So maybe that was a contributing factor to this. But in one password's defense and same as, you know, the other targets of this of this attack, like Beyond Trust and Cloudflare. There are implicit weaknesses in how Okta mandates or I should say enforces those MFA mechanisms. For instance, it's known that there are ways to bypass those MFA requirements by leveraging specific administrative APIs. And so, you know, even if all those checks and balances are in place, it turns out it still could have been a bypass and still could have been a problem would love to see, though, 1Password maybe take this as a a bit of a wake-up call of, okay, we need to up our game here a little bit. Uh, we can't rely on uh, a, a report being generated kicking off an email to let us know that we've been compromised, right? We've got to have far more sensitive um, detections and, uh, and automated responses for this type of thing
0: totally agree with that and before we move on i just want to add it was a session token that was stolen and used to gain a foothold in the okta instance at 1 password and those credentials were believed to have been pulled from a har file which was submitted to okta's customer support for a non-security related issue
2: it's something that i can say makes sense you know in general uh, for a support ticket to to request something like this but sadly i don't think that it's 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 expected that any average user or even, you know, a a good handful of IT folks might not realize the sensitivity of the data that may be captured in a HAR
1: file, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: And for those that may not know, HAR is short for HTTP archive format. And it's basically a detailed log for a web browser and all the interactions it has with various websites, including session tokens and cookies and things like that. All right. So, Along with 1Password, Beyond Trust, another identity and access firm who was also a customer of Okta, reported that they had flagged suspicious behavior in an Okta administrator account and reported it to Okta on October 2nd. Beyond Trust says they were able to immediately detect and remediate the attack through their own identity security tools, resulting in no impact or exposure to their infrastructure or to their customers. They go on to say, and I quote, The incident was a result of Okta's support system being compromised, which allowed an attacker to access sensitive files uploaded by their customers. The incident began when Beyond Trust security teams detected an attacker trying to access an in-house Okta administrator account using a valid session cookie stolen from Okta's support system. Custom policy controls blocked the attacker's initial activity, but limitations in Okta's security model allowed them to perform a few confined actions. BeyondTrust's own identity security insights tool alerted the team of the attack, and they were able to block all access and verify that the attacker did not gain access to any systems. The initial incident response indicated a possible compromise at Okta of either someone on their support team or someone in position to access customer support related data. We raised our concerns of the breach to Okta on October 2nd, having received no acknowledgement from Okta of a possible breach. We persisted with escalations within Okta until October 19th when Okta security leadership notified us that they had indeed experienced a breach and we were one of their affected customers. There seems like there's a common thread here being purely speculative at this point, is this enough for us to deduce that a threat actor had a strong presence in the Okta support system?
2: Yeah, I would say there's uh, there's, there's an overwhelming amount of evidence to suggest that to be the case. And what makes Beyond Trust's involvement here unique is their maturity level in detecting and responding to this swiftly enough and thoroughly enough, they were able to remove all doubt on their end that this was an internal compromise of their own systems, right? You know, they were able to identify and isolate that account right away. They were able to, you know, perform forensic activities against the owner of that account's, you know, systems. And so they could conclude, where it didn't seem like one password could with 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 high confidence, Beyond Trust could conclude. This isn't our breach. This, this didn't start here. So it must have originated at Okta because we have evidence. We have proof of this HAR file having been generated on this system, uploaded to their support portal, and there is nothing else that indicates this could have originated here. And so that is, that is critical because few organizations are honestly in a place to, with confidence... Completely rule out that this is our breach. And without the ability to do that, then you're left wondering, uh oh, like, do we have a problem that we don't know about? And that just could spiral out into, you know, a whole bunch of different activities, wasting time, allowing a threat actor to continue wreaking havoc because no one knows how they got in, right? So I'm very impressed with how quickly Beyond Trust was able to get right down to a root cause because. That's when they could notify with confidence to Okta, hey, we think you have a problem, Okta, right? We we've traced this back to your support portal. You might want to have a look. And the fact that they did that so early on, you know, that's huge credit to Beyond Trust. I'm left wondering why it took so long for Okta to take that evidence, to take that that warning and take action and figure it out, right? That's a little disappointing. But kudos to Beyond Trust because you know that, by the way, is a demonstration of they, from from what I can gather from the report, they were doing it right, right? They, they you know they had very strict MFA enforcement on their Okta tenant, you know they had obviously very tightly coupled monitoring platforms, probably you know within their own product suite. It sounds like they had their bases covered, but you notice they also had the uh, the insight to call out that even though we were doing these things correctly because of weaknesses in Okta's MFA enforcement on uh, certain API endpoints, the threat actor was able to bypass our very strict MFA policies. And that's, that's unfortunate, right? That probably shouldn't be a thing, but it's great that they acknowledged and shared with the community that it is a thing and it's something that you should be looking for.
0: So another major customer that was impacted by this and has made a public statement is Cloudflare, and I quote, On Wednesday, October 18th, 2023, we discovered attacks on our system that were able to be traced back to Okta. Threat actors were able to leverage an authentication token compromised at Okta to pivot into Cloudflare's Okta instance. While this was a troubling security incident, our security incident response team's real-time detection and prompt response enabled containment and minimized the impact to Cloudflare systems and data. We have verified that no Cloudflare customer information or systems were impacted by this event because of our rapid response. They go on to say that they contacted Okta about the breach of their systems before they had been notified by them. They also state that the attacker used an open session from Okta with administrative privileges and used that to access their Okta instance. There's obviously a pattern here. You know, just speculating, could this all be those HAR files uploaded to Okta's support center where the threat actor is just waiting to get valid session tokens and use those?
2: I mean again you know all, all I'm all I'm seeing is an overwhelming amount of evidence that that's exactly what happened and, and that's based on the attack vector that that each of these organizations reported right um, from you know one password to beyond trust to cloudflare each of them reported that a privileged administrative account was leveraged uh, you know in an illegitimate way using a pre-existing session you know so a session token that, you know, did originate from a legitimate session, and all three of them had the same thing in common, that they they had, you know, support tickets recently with Okta where those HAR files had been uploaded. So again, you know, am I willing to testify that that's what happened? No, obviously, I I, I don't have inside knowledge here, but based on all the available evidence, that sounds like exactly what's going on, in my opinion.
0: Okay, well, Okta also issued issued a statement. Let's read that and see what they have to say. Okta Security has identified adversarial activity that leveraged access to a stolen credential to access Okta's support case management system. The threat actor was able to view files uploaded by certain Okta customers as part of recent support cases. It should be noted that the Okta support case management system is separate from the production Okta service, which is fully operational and has not been impacted. In addition, the Auth0 CIC case management system is not impacted by this incident. Within the course of normal business hours, Okta support will ask customers to upload an HTTP archive, aka HAR file, which allows for troubleshooting of issues by replicating browser activity. HAR files can also contain sensitive data including cookies and session tokens that malicious actors can use to impersonate valid users. Okta has worked with impacted customers to investigate and has taken measures to protect our customers including the revocation of embedded session tokens. In general, Okta recommends sanitizing all credentials and cookies or session tokens within a HAR file before sharing it. <laughs> so there we have it. It does seem that the HAR files were a common method for Okta to debug issues with customers, and they would regularly get their customers to upload these files to them. Is this something you've seen before?
2: Are HAR files commonly passed around like this? Um, I wouldn't say it's something I've seen commonly, but I wouldn't doubt that it's something that's commonly happening because... Um, any any web facing application, you know, uh, from all the various different SaaS apps that we all know and use, it, it could be a common troubleshooting step when the you know developer or support team of that SaaS application is working with the customer trying to figure out what is the customer experiencing? Why, why, is, why are they encountering this issue? And if it's not something easily reproduced on the other end, then maybe this is one of the next steps that they might take to get more insight into how the customer is encountering this issue. But I feel that it's obviously a very short-sighted sort of approach because it's indiscriminate. You know, when you when you capture, you know, your HTTP session and record it, as is done with a, a HAR file there, you're capturing potentially many potential sensitive uh, data points in there. For instance, those session cookies, right? Now, you know, these session cookies are as good as your credentials, they are your credentials for that session, right? So anyone in possession of that session cookie effectively has your credentials to log into that application. And, you know, I I imagine that most users, if they, if they understood that would probably be a bit more reluctant to just hand that over, you know, because let's put it in simpler terms, right? Would you feel okay if you were talking with a customer service person and they blatantly asked you for your username and password, right? That would that would raise suspicion. I mean, that's that's something that we all have been sort of well trained that they should never do that, right? And a lot of customer support, you know, uh, systems will will tell you right there, we will never ask you for your, your password, right? So we're trained to know that we don't, we shouldn't just be handing over our credentials even even to the company itself. But that's exactly what that HAR file was doing. And I, I wonder how many folks knew that intuitively that you're basically giving up your credentials when you do this. And now you're at the mercy of how well those credentials are being protected by the receiving party. And as we see here, that's uh, easier said than done. And some of those session tokens can have a really long life. Absolutely, right? Matter of fact, that's that's conf- that's a configurable thing, right? An Okta administrator can decide you know, I really don't want my users to be inconvenienced too often. So let's leave very long sessions, you know, maybe a week, maybe longer, right? So that you're not constantly having to re-authenticate. And you know, I'm not going to say that that's the worst idea because you're supposed to have that kind of freedom when you're using a very secure authentication service like Okta, right? Because if I'm enforcing MFA, then I should be able to trust my users to have extended sessions because they, I know that they are truly authenticated that they've authenticated via secure means, but now I'm, I'm putting at risk that session, that session cookie, right? Because anyone that could steal that session cookie now has that full week or multi-week, you know, playground, right? To authenticate as that user anytime they want. And Okta is saying that the threat actor had access to their
0: system using quote stolen credentials, that seems pretty vague for a breach like this. Were you
2: able to find out any info on how the compromise took place into Okta's system? No, I, I didn't find anything more than what you, than what you identified, and I really think that speaks volumes about, you know, Octa's preparedness for a situation like this. And, and I'm not going to say this to to throw shade at at Octa or or kick them while they're down. You know, this isn't their first go at this, right? They've been through this now more than once or twice. And, um, you know, it's disappointing to see not only the extended timeline that it took them to to realize, even when you had one, two, three different companies bringing them the evidence, took them way too long to, to, to come to terms with it. And then once they came to terms with it, the disclosure you know, is, is vague at best. And you can tell it's been through heavily, you know, uh, the, it's been through the PR filters, right? And and no, it leaves out some of the really important questions that still need answers, right? Like, uh, why was this support system so easily accessed by stolen credentials? You are an identity provider. You know this is a problem, right? You know that credentials theft is a, is a problem. And that, you know, stolen credentials shouldn't be enough. You know that's the whole point of using an IDP or something like Okta is, great. I understand users get fished. Well, that's why I enforce you know one-time passwords, or that's why I enforce the use of UBI keys because I wanted to reduce the, the the vector to credential theft. So I would love to personally know how Okta fell victim to credential theft to gain access to their support portal when this is the problem that they are supposed to be solving for countless other companies. And then, of course, not to not to gloss over the fact that maybe the horror files aren't the best idea, but they, they they at least somewhat addressed that, that, you know, they're, they're kind of pushing the onus back to the user there saying, hey, users should be aware that HAR files may contain sensitive information and you should strip that out. I, I did not see anything substantial in their disclosure that that guidance was ever previously given to anyone, right? It's almost like they've, produced that now after the fact. But again, I don't think that that was common sense for, for many folks. And it, it's not a fair it's not a fair defense now when they were the custodians, the guardians of this information. Once the customer uploaded it, it is now your data to protect.
0: Well, hopefully over the coming weeks, they'll release some more details. Maybe it's just a matter of, of making sure they got their T's crossed and their I's dotted or something like that. So we have the who and the what. Let's take a look at the how. Beyond BeyondTrust team did a great job of breaking this attack down, at least from their side of things. Let's walk through it and see if we can unwind it a bit. On October 2nd, 2023, a BeyondTrust Okta administrator uploads a browser recording, aka HAR file, at the request of Okta support related to ongoing troubleshooting of a non-security related support issue. Within 30 minutes of the support file upload, there was an attempt to access the Beyond Trust Okta admin console as the Beyond Trust Okta administrator using an IP address in Malaysia linked to anonymizing proxy VPN services. Okta events are logged from this Malaysian IP, however, there were no prior authentication events or activities from this user in this location as they would normally expect. The attacker was Authenticated, but access to the Okta console was denied due to a non-default Okta security policy configuration (laughs) enforced by BeyondTrust security teams. Okay, I think I might need to unwind this one a bit. Uh, The attacker was authenticated, but access to the Okta console was denied due to a non-default Okta security policy configuration enforced by BeyondTrust security teams. Default deny access and only allow access if specific criteria is met. The attacker was denied console access due to policy requirements of requiring Okta Verify on a management device. That's a that's a mouthful. Can you help me yeah. on why this one,
2: Eric? Yeah, absolutely. So really, what that what what that what they're saying with that is, Beyond Trust is leveraging true zero trust in this in this whole equation. Meaning they don't just they don't just check that you have credentials, and they don't even just check that you're MFA'd. They also check to make sure you're on a company-issued trusted device, right? So this is what zero trust truly is, is it's saying, technically, I don't care where in the world you are, as long as I can verify your identity and the trust relationship with the system that you're on, then the rest is history, right? We'll let you in. And so that's what they're saying helped them identify this unauthorized activity, is that they got a verified user, meaning authentication occurred with legitimate credentials, okay, but the machine identity was not present because the, you know, the Octa Verify agent not being present kind of, you know, would trigger a red flag. And that's why they were not, the threat actor was not able to get all the way into the Octa portal because those two conditions were not met. And and that's exactly why Zero Trust was brought to me, was was for this very, you know, use case. So kudos, you know, obviously they're eating their own dog food as a zero trust centric company. That's, that's what helped them uh, stop this so early on.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so they say the attacker goes on to attempt to generate a password health report, underlying API of the Okta admin console. The actor then attempts to gain access to the main Okta dashboard, but receives a policy challenge.
2: Yeah. So that policy challenge is effectively what stopped the threat actor because of the lack of the device-level trust, that Okta Verify not being present. Well, it was that policy challenge which which validated that to be the case and therefore denied them access to the Okta dashboard.
0: Okay, and then it looks like they're trying to figure out ways to skirt around it. The attacker then uses Okta official API to create a fake service account named SVC underscore network underscore backup in an attempt to make it look like an existing service account. That's a pretty common method we see attackers use is to imitate things it's almost like a living off the land kind of approach to to fooling people right
2: yeah very yeah so so a a term we often use for it in in ir it's it's hiding in plain sight right because you know one of the one of the easiest ways for even a sophisticated threat actor to blend in is not to look completely you know you know, unique in any way. Matter of fact, the opposite. We want to look as as common and as usual and you know as part of this landscape as possible. So let's let's take a moment to understand what is the naming convention of their other accounts. And then let's create one that's gonna slip right in, blend right in, hiding in plain sight.
0: Okay, so it seems like after that they they actually shut the attacker down, evicted them from the environment, and and that's sort of the end of phase one there. Then on October 3rd, 2023, they did some further investigation and ruled out the possibility of the compromise originating from Beyond Trust, leading them to conclude that the Okta support system was likely compromised. They made a request to Okta support to escalate to their information security team, let them know that Okta was likely compromised, and that other Okta customers might be exposed. No known compromise or ongoing security incident was communicated by Okta. So it looks like they just sort of threw their concerns over the fence and then didn't hear anything back until October 11th, 2023, when they had a Zoom meeting with Okta and a member of their information security team, where they shared their findings and requested additional log data from Okta related to uh, the support case data access. Okta committed to providing the requested logs and working with them. Again, no known compromise or ongoing security incident was communicated by Okta. Okay, now on to October 13th. Okta support logs were received but contained several discrepancies. They requested more detailed logs relating to the discrepancies and reiterated their concerns that there was a high likelihood of compromise within Okta support and they were likely not the only customer impacted. Again, no known compromise or ongoing security incident was communicated by Okta. This is, you know, again, this is one party's perception of what happened, but it seems pretty damning to have so much information pushed from a customer to you about a security incident and not respond back. And again, this is only one side of the story, but it it does seem to gel with the rest of what we're seeing.
2: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I would, I would agree wholeheartedly there because again, back to the threat model conversation we had earlier, you know, when you put yourself out there in a place of trust where you are now holding the keys for many, many other critical organizations, you know, like Cloudflare, you know, and, and, and others, you, you cannot be the weakest link in that chain, right? In some ways, you are almost now held to a higher standard than every customer beneath you. So you really don't want to be then in a situation where you're getting notifications from your own customers that you have a breach, right? If they have already put all of their trust into you, because in this situation, Okta, it, it, sure, the technical product they're selling is identity, but really what they're selling is their own credibility and trust, right? And as that continues to erode, the product doesn't matter as much anymore. And so, yeah, it, it's it's kind of unfortunate that you had so many well, I say so many, at least three that we know of, very high-profile vendors, having to kind of try to nudge these guys into taking action and figure out what's going on, and an unfortunate delay even after the fact for Okta to finally go public with the uh, details in in a somewhat vague way that leaves questions unanswered. So then it was on October 19th that BeyondTrust had a
0: call with Okta security leadership who notified them that there was a breach at Okta and that they were one of the customers exposed during that breach. seems like they probably knew that already, but it's good to finally get official confirmation. Then on October 20th, coinciding with Okta's public announcement, BeyondTrust published the blog that this information is being pulled from, detailing the information including indicators of compromise to provide information to the security community and protect mutual customers beyond trust goes on gracefully to thank octa for working with us to protect our mutual customers we appreciate your transparency in reporting this breach notifying affecting customers and highlighting further investigative steps so that's quite the timeline uh, a lot of details in there pretty interesting to be looking at it from the outside uh okay so the last question i have and i wasn't able to find anything on who or what motivated the threat actors and i'm not sure we'll get that again just speculating. Do you think this was the work of a ransomware gang or something along those lines, or is this the kind of thing you would rather not even make a wild guess about?
2: Yeah, I would. Um, I'm going to exercise a, a little bit of restraint in uh, in speculating too much because there's, you know, obviously many possibilities out there. But what I will say is this: one of the more alarming things I took away from the, the technical reports that were published is how quickly this threat actor was moving with the data that they had. So, you know, for instance, I believe it was Beyond Trust that was able to identify that the the unauthorized access that they detected and shut down was within 30 minutes of the HAR file being uploaded to the Okta support portal. I mean, that is an alarming turnaround time, right? So this is a threat actor that not only was you know, obviously holding on to initial access inside that support portal, but was actively watching for this type of data to hit the portal and then was able to take action on that data within minutes. You know, this doesn't seem like, uh, an unsophisticated or, or otherwise, uh, uh, an opportunistic attack. This seems like a very well thought out, well prepared and, you know, um, I hate to, to use the term but sophisticated right this is this is what we see when we when we what we mean when we say sophistication is that you know they're obviously well trained on the Okta sort of apis and authentication mechanisms they knew that these har files would contain the the session cookies that they needed so i guess the, the limit of the speculation that i would say is this is definitely someone who knows what they're doing and therefore they knew that Okta would be the ripe the ripest target to get into other very high profile organizations and generally when you see targets like that it makes you think of you know nation state uh you know nation-backed threat actors but that's that's as far as i'll go with the speculation there (laughs) yeah
0: i appreciate that i I know you guys in the security community don't like to do speculation but it's uh really fun to kind of think about what could be I also, I find these types of supply chain attacks terrifying. It seems like nothing too bad happened throughout this incident, or at least that we know of yet, but when we see a threat actor gain access to such high-profile companies that hold such important data and assets, it's unnerving. Is there anything we can learn from this? Is there anything we can do to minimize the threat that
2: complex supply chains introduce? You mentioned the problem, and in my opinion, one of the root causes in the same sentence there. It's the threat that complex supply chains introduce. So obviously, by reducing complexity and all, you know, at, at, at every opportunity, right? Now that's that's a tricky thing to do because do I recommend that a customer should just roll their own identity provider? No, not necessarily, right? That's generally something best outsourced to someone who who knows better. But I think that customers also need to start to hold these vendors to a much higher level of accountability, right? Let's let's stop accepting that. OK, I will I will be fair and say breaches will happen. That's just uh, the, the nature of the world that we live in. But it's not about the breach happening so much as how the organization responds to that breach. Do they seem to improve from previous activities like this and, you know, cast your vote with your your dollars, you know, your budget, where you spend your budget? You know, Are you enabling these types of companies to continue to, to behave this way by just continue to renew and renew and renew? Or are you making your voice loud and clear by choosing a vendor that's making the right decisions around this? And again, it, let me be clear. I've, I've been an Okta customer, like, you know, it's a, it's a great product, great platform, but I personally have gotten to a place in my career where I have high expectations of these types of vendors and I want to see, you know, the right steps being taken as quickly as possible with transparency all throughout the process. And I'm just not sure that's what it feels like we're getting from Okta, at least at this point, right? So let's see where, where, where it goes.
0: All right. The last one I have for you, how long do you think it is before we're all using keys to log into anything?
2: <laughs> you know, so I, I, I kind of have a two-part answer to that. I'm a huge fan of keys. I've got like six or seven of them on me right now. I think they're great little devices for all the reasons, right, that most of us are aware but let me be let me be realistic with you I don't know many non-infosec people carrying around a YubiKey, key right and and it's just it's a very you know niche sort of mechanism that I think only folks like us really enjoy you know so I think that we'll actually leapfrog over the hardware token phase of this in in mass I mean you know obviously you know we've been carrying ubi keys for years now but But I think that the masses will leapfrog over the hardware tokens and we're going to start getting to more biometric based authentication, which, you know, I I know there's a lot of mixed feelings about that, especially in the security community. But I I think it's the right answer because you're not going to expect, you know, millions of, of workers that are not technical, that are not in IT or security to carry around hardware tokens and all these other things. I mean, it, you know, we've tried that, you know, we've been rocking the the RSA tokens for decades now and it just doesn't scale. It's not perfect. But when you can start to get into pass keys or, you know, pure biometric style authentication, I think now you've bridged the gap between convenience and secure mechanisms. And that's where I think we're likely going to land, at least I hope here in the near future.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time to go through this with me today, Eric. I know it was a long one and probably extra work on your plate, but uh, really appreciate having your expertise here and uh, hopefully our our listeners got some value out of it.
2: My pleasure, Chris. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Take care, sir. Bye. And that concludes this episode of the Cybersecurity Defenders podcast. If you have any feedback or ideas for future topics, please send an email to defenders at limacharlie.io. You can access the intel we talk about on the show in real time and join the conversation on the Lima Charlie Community Slack channel at slack.limacharlie.io. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with someone or leaving a rating or review. And don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening from. Thanks for listening in. We'll see you on the next episode.